say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction My name is Jay Izzo and oh Wow, do we have a great show for you Listen, uh, you know, here's the deal Right now, there's a lot of stuff going on in the financial world If you haven't been paying attention well, you probably should be because there's a lot of things happening right now that are that are just all over the place. And and you know what? I get it. You know, people are concerned about their finances. They're concerned about what they don't have. They're concerned about what they do have. Can they preserve what they have? Can I get more? Can I build more? How do I get this to work? And it's just all terribly confusing for a number of reasons. But also, we know something about finances that we don't often talk about. And the truth of the matter is when it comes to our, our marriage relationships, do you know when the number one sources of divorce are? It, it's finances mm. when it comes to divorce. And, and we don't talk about it, but it really is true. And, you know, w- wouldn't it be great if we could have somebody help us, you know, get a better mindset and attitude and some practical, useful advice to help us take the next step? Right. You know what? I I'm bringing him back because I because the book was so good and he's so good, right? And and his name is Eric Ware. I'm going to bring him back today. It's it, the book's called Who's Eating Your Pie. It's it's a fabulous book. Matter of fact, um, some of you who are financial advisors out there who reached out to me said um, this has been a great book. And so I appreciate you purchasing this book. So thank you. I, I've had several financial advisors who have said to me all across the country, "Hey, I purchased the book. Wow, wow." So, folks, I'm listening. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a financial advisor. I'm just telling you that Who's Eating Your Pie is a book for you to purchase. Um, by the way, you can get it on Kindle. It, um, it, it's it's fantastic. However you like to read, um, it, it's a great book. I'm going to be talking to Eric Weir in just a second. But before I get to him, let's do what we do every week real quick. Hey, listen, we're four-part people. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people, right? And we, we all know that if we're not working on those areas every day of our life in some way, the truth of the matter is, if you're not growing, you're dying. We never stay stagnant. So what we do on the show is that we, on a scale of 1 to 10, I have you rate yourself of where you're at. Now, we don't worry about what your exact number is. That's just a starting point for you to say, hey, I could do better, right? And as Eric talks about in his book, he says, you know, you can always do 1% better. Wherever you're at, you can always do 1% more, right? That's all we're asking is whatever the number that I give you in each one of these areas, just do 1% more. All right, so physically, if you were to evaluate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being awful, 10 being outstanding, how would you rate yourself getting enough exercise, eating right, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep? What would you give you? 5 being average, right? Again, right, if you're a 2, what can you do to be 1% better? Right? If you're a 7, what can you do to be 1% better? That, that's, that's the question, right? No judgment, just what can you do to be better in those areas? All right, that's your first number. Second number, all right, is your mental intellectual number, right? We can't sit on a couch watching TV and expect that you're just going to grow, learn, and knowledge and wisdom, right? You get information, but are you growing in knowledge and wisdom and what you do and who you are in your relationships, those type of things, right? You got two halves of your brain, right side's creative, left side's logical. How are you feeding it? You have to be an active participant in your learning. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself in your mental intellectual area? Okay, that's your second number. Third number is the emotional number. And we break it down real simply to evaluate yourself emotionally. 
One, how are you to control your emotions under stress and pressure? And then secondly, how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of others? That second part requires what we call active listening. It also requires that you have uh, an emotional vocabulary that you can understand those emotions. But it's incredibly important for any success is that we improve our emotional intelligence and our emotional quotient. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you say you're doing there? Right, that's your third number. The fourth number is spiritual area. And you know, the truth of the matter is some of you say, well, I'm not really spiritual at all. We're all spiritual. Remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional. What you have left is the spiritual. And the truth of the matter is we walk by faith every day. You probably have plans to do something every day, right? And they haven't occurred yet, but you believe they will. That's faith. And then there's the question. I always like people to say when it comes to the spirit, we all have a spirit inside of us. You know, the spirit of the human spirit that wants to connect with something that can bring us peace and joy in the midst of chaos in the midst of our circumstances. What might that be for you? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it working? What do you need to change it? The truth of the matter is you say, well, I can't see the spiritual part. I said, well, you can't see the wind either. Where did that come from? But yet you know you can see the results of what the wind does. That's what the spiritual part is. The spiritual part is you may not be able to see it, but there are results from what you get from it. Those four areas are like the air in the air in the in your tires of your car, right? If if one air one tire is really low, what happens? The car leans. It's not working efficiently. It doesn't run efficiently on gas. It doesn't work well. It doesn't it doesn't do right. If all four of them too low, well, you can ruin the car. Certainly, the rims over the course of time. And speaking of someone who's got his air in his tires all the right levels, name's Eric Weir. He is principal of WCM Global Wealth. Uh, uh, LLC, a wealth advisory firm that serves clients from the biggest multi-platinum Grammy-winning recording artists, celebrities, sports icons, and clothes designers and more, and families listed on the Forbes Billionaires list, uh, as well as other notable business owners. Uh, as an investor, um, he's developed uh, top golf locations all over the U.S. and, and in Europe. Uh, he's also been a previous owner of WTA Media, uh, it, which is film marketing and finance. And uh, he's an expert on wealth building and entrepreneurism, goal setting, real estate investment, money management, marketing, and promotion. He speaks to corporations all across the country each year. He's a lifelong student. He's earned his degrees and certificates from Harvard University, Georgia State University. He's got five sons, and he spends his time between Charleston and Greenville, South Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, and welcome back for a second time, Eric Weir. Eric, welcome back to the show. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And wow, I'm tired just hearing that. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> wow. And living is a little tiring too, I can tell you. Yeah. Well, you've been doing it for a while, so you might be a little tired. You know, yeah. you never know how to do it. All right. So listen, we talked about a lot about the intro of this book. I, and I know we're going to talk about a number of topics today because yeah, yeah. I, uh, people are going to want to talk about the SVB bank, what's going on there. And I, I do want to address that at some point. But there's, there's a couple things that we didn't get to that I just feel are really, really important uh, when it comes to investing. Uh, and so people, you know, folks, if you're watching the show right now, we did a previous show, so you may want to get the, the you know, look, watch, watch the show if you're watching us on DBTV all over the world. By the way, thank you for watching. Uh, if you're listening to us on podcasts, you might want to get the earlier podcast as well uh, to listen to the show. But in, in Chapter 5, you said something about what stops us. It actually, the chapter is called what's stopping you. Yeah. And 
um, you know, you, you talked about in the book how guilt and depressed image can get in our way and prevent us from identifying where we are and where we want to go. But there are three basically uh, big emotional blockers that stop us in our tracks. The first one you mentioned is fear. Uh, and I think fear is so powerful, but help us understand, because you talk about being afraid to dream, you talk about being afraid to face opportunity, uh, you talk about fear to take action. Help us understand those three fears uh, and, and put those in perspective. As yeah, the, fear is a powerful emotion, and if you and, and I think people believe lies, too. Mm. You believe lies about yourself. You were told you can't do it, or you'll never amount to anything. Mm. And those those reinforce your fears, and sometimes our behaviors our actions will actually go, go further to reinforce our fears. Right. Uh, but I, I tell people that fear doesn't pay dividends, <laughs> but consistency does. Right. And if you make small changes every day, a small step, like what would you, what would you like to do? Or, or I'm in debt or whatever it happens to be, you know, write a, a question. How do I get out of debt? How do I do this? Write five or six pot potential ways, take action. And you'll find that your fear and your anxiety, they, they go down. And, and fear is really uh, bringing potential adverse future outcomes into today. So they're generally over things that haven't happened, um, yet they cause concern, anxiety, and, and they limit us today. So pushing through fear and having logical tools, tools to recognize it and address it, I find to be very beneficial. You, you make a statement about fear in this chapter. You, you say that, you, you ask a question. You say, you want to know the difference between us uh, difference is between a successful person and unsuccessful person's view of fear. Unsuccessful people, uh, unsuccessful people, unsuccessful people view fear and they, they look at loss. And so therefore they never take, so they have a prevention mindset basically. Mm -hmm. Whereas successful people see fear as an opportunity. Help us navigate those two between the successful and unsuccessful. Yeah, so 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 it, it, it it's kind of like if you're sitting here saying I'm I'm afraid if I start this new company, uh, I may fail, mm -hmm. or if I take this new risk or this new job or I move to a new city, it may not be what I expect it to be, or I may come up short. And as you begin to 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 realign your thinking, you look at opportunity cost, and and there's an accounting cost called cost. Like if you if you if you drive a uh, if you have a job paying ten dollars an hour. Then that you have an income, but your what's your cost? Well, if you had if you could make twenty dollars an hour, then that's your cost. That job's cost you ten dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. And trying to think of, of life as what what opportunity costs? Because if you people say, well, what if I fail? What if you don't? What if you succeed? Mm -hmm. And the invoice for quitting is, is a, a terribly high invoice. And and I've had setbacks and can, will continue to have setbacks my whole life. I'm sure of it. But from a setback, I use it as a teaching moment. What, what would I do differently? What would I try now? Um, who, who else can I talk to? Who can I? Are, are there any things I can do to, to move ahead more quickly? So fear of of loss is one, but I like to look at it as a motivator. Like, what if I don't do something? So I acknowledge, hey, if it doesn't work out, this is what happens. But then I kind of I burn my boats on on the shore, so I'm not going back. So it's all, all the way in. And when you have a mentality is I'm sticking to it, I'm committed to it, I'm going to make change, I'm going to be progressive. I, yes, I'll have setbacks, but I'm going to get right back up and keep going. Then, then you can look at the fear of, of not doing it. Uh, it ends up almost becoming a motivator. And isn't it true, I, I, I found this true of coaching clients that I work with, is that sometimes when I see this fear, 
crop up and, and they're, they're afraid to do something. I often will say, you know, well, isn't it kind of 50, 50? I mean, because it's like you have, you, you keep focusing on, well, what if I fail, but what if you succeed? Right. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, you're focused on what if I fail, but what if you succeed? Yeah, and and what I what I try to do is live in the future. People try to pull fear into the into the current, saying, you know, these are things I'm afraid will happen, or I, I I try this new job and I fail. I actually live in the future of being like, I'm enjoying the future before it's here. I now have my new company. I will succeed. I I I can do 100 push-ups. I can do these things, even when I can only maybe do 15, or I weigh 205 pounds when I may weigh 220, and I want to weigh 205. So I have the mindset. And, and then when you start thinking that way, then you start having the habits, activities, and the diet of somebody who weighs 205 pounds, of somebody who weighs 220. But it, it's, it's really that, that way with everything is, is calling your future into, into existence today. Mm. You, you know, one of the things you say at the end of this, uh, at, at the end of this little section here of fear is you say sometimes the best thing you do is to do it scared. And, you know, I wrote, I wrote when, when I wrote my last book, the first chapter is sometimes you have to do things afraid. And I, I think what people miss is that doing things afraid build perseverance. They do. And and the more that you will face your fear and do it, it's that perseverance. It, it's a I call it a perseverance muscle. I know it doesn't really exist in the real world, but it's a it does in your brain. And I often wonder how many people just need to develop that perseverance muscle. What do you think? So many people are, are, are conditioned at, at the first no. And if, if we, we don't, we're not born that way. If anybody has a toddler, they'll ask you for something 55 times. <laughs> and they, they understand. They just they keep going and they get it. Ultimately, like, yes, yes, whatever. Let me sleep. Here here you go. Here's a gummy bear or whatever. They, they wear you down, right? right? And something along the line, you, you lose that. You know, but if you think like a toddler and you become you know, focused on where you want to go, um, it's amazing how, how much more you, you can accomplish. But persistence and consistency is it. I mean, I may not have any particular gifts. I may not have any uh, great with other people, but I'll be persistent and I'll be consistent and I'll work and I'll get up and I'll get at it again and again and again and again and again and again. And, and, and when I have a, a setback, I use it as a motivation. What do I learn? How do I push forward? And I've got that behind me. So, so, now, so now let's go. So I think I think persistence uh, and clarity, knowing where you want to go, is very important. Because if you're persistent and uh, decided, but you're uncertain of where you're going, then, then, then that, that's not very helpful. The second blocker you mentioned, it's related. I think it's so related to fear, is bad expectation. Right. Um, Right. We have these bad expectations and you say that it often prevents us from getting where we want to go. It steals our joy once we get there is bad expectations. And you talk about expectations for a type of life, expectations for recognition. Help us understand how bad expectations are such a blocker for us. There's two things. The, the, the person's joy uh, and the closer they, the, the reality is their expectations. The, oftentimes the happier they are. Right. So right. that's one thing. And secondly, and I'll give you the coaching example. I had some people sitting around a table. I was telling, I'm going to show you today how to double your business this year. And and I said, let's think. And I, I mentioned for a minute. And I said, stop. And, and I mentioned fear and all that before. And I said, just stop for a second. Raise your hand if the first thought you have 
wasn't how to develop your business. It's why it won't happen. Mm. And everyone raised, I've got a reason why it won't happen. Mm. And I, that was your first thought, wasn't it? It wasn't enjoying, you know, being more charitable or having more financial security or helping others or you know, living in a It wasn't that. It was, it was the uh, first thought was why you couldn't do it, justifying it. And recognizing that, arresting those thoughts, taking them captive, and then 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 spending time thinking about what would it be like to be like to 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 win this. And what I try to tell people to do is you plan, plan with a with I go into like a thought process is I can't fail. Yeah. Uh, no matter what I want to do, I'm going to succeed. I don't need to. The money will be there, the expertise, the connections, the network, everything. And what would I attempt if I knew I couldn't fail? That's where I start. And then I work my way back because I will need money. I will need talents I obviously don't have. I will need connections and networks. And then I think about what that looks like. And then I build a plan anticipating all that. But I don't start with limiting thoughts. I start with unlimited thoughts. What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Mm. And and then I then I build it backwards. I love I love that so much. All right. The third blocker that you have is comparison living. And I think this is mm. so dangerous. Oh. especially because we see this so often on social media, right? People are, you know, they, they like to promote the best of themselves, right? In a particular lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so we, we view the pictures on Instagram or wherever, and we start comparison living. So help That's us, so yeah, help us understand what are we doing to ourselves here? It, it's, it's just so interesting. I, I, I talked, I talked to Miss, Miss South Carolina, former South Carolina on my podcast. I think it was, was last week, Hope Harvard. And she now wants it would like to move on maybe to Miss America. And she said she had thoughts of herself being ugly, thoughts of herself not liking her nose or this or that. And she ended up talking to beauty contestants and each girl could tell them straight up, I don't like my nose. I don't like my profile. I don't like my chin. One ear's a little higher than the other. One eye's a little bigger. And every one of these girls had something they focused on that they, that they, that they just couldn't see. And what she said to them is that God's eyes are beautiful. Right. And 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 slowly each each one of them started to change their perspective of, of, of how they see and whose eyes they see themselves through. And I think that's a, a powerful, 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 powerful lesson. It is a powerful lesson. You offer some advice here how to push past the obstacles. You yeah. say step one is to own everything. What do you yeah. mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I've made plenty of mistakes, you know, in my life and I'll, I'll continue to make mistakes. And I think I think that many people spend their time where you could just say, I had a part in it. Maybe had a small part, maybe had a big part, but it probably wasn't all of it in most cases. So you try to assess blame. Well, we had 99%, but they were part of the problem also, right? Or maybe it was 50-50, we split the problem. If you just own it and say, it's, it's my fault, I want to move on and, and I, I want to learn from it. And you're not trying to point blame at other people. It, it's, a wonder, it's a wonderful way to live because you live a lot, a lot less anxiety and you can move on more quickly. If you're waiting for somebody to apologize or make restitution or say, yeah, I, I really did you wrong, uh, you may be waiting a very long time. And they may not even know that you're even thinking about it or even know to offer that to you. So to the extent you can just have ownership, then it's great. And the good news about that is if you own it, then you're the one who's in control of when you can move on. And if you don't own it and it's somebody else's fault, then they're in control of you. That Wow. That's awesome right there. I hope you got all that. Um, by the way, thanks for everybody who's chiming in, listening, and watching the show. We really do appreciate you. Uh, the book is titled, Who's Eating Your Pie? It's a question. 
right? It's by Eric Weir. He's here, and you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, uh, let me talk about my sponsors, Eric, Epic Eric. Epic Physical Therapy, not Eric Physical Therapy. Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist, they should be yours too. Listen, if you're suffering from everyday aches and pains, you've recently had surgery, or perhaps maybe you're uh, an athlete, a professional athlete that just wants to improve. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors, for more than 38 years, they have been helping people transition in life. You say, well, they're a real estate company. Well, Truth of the matter is, if you think about it, every time you've ever moved somewhere, it has been a transition in life. It always has been. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, moving from an apartment to your first house, whatever it may be, it's a transition in life. Well, for over 38 years, they've been helping people make that transition smooth by taking the stress as much as they possibly can out of that transition. So when you're ready to make your next transition in life, whether you're selling your home or buying a home, Go to Linda Craft Team Realtors. You can do that by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Eric Weir, his book, uh, Who's Eating Your Pie? We're going to be talking a little bit more about this book, and we're going to get into some other topics as well uh, before the end of the hour. Um, The step two in terms of overcoming these obstacles, you say, look for opportunities where others see limits. Um, And... And, and, you know, you start off with a statement that says you get to choose what kind of person you want to be. Help us understand how uh, looking for opportunities where others see limits, how do we do that and, and what should we be doing in terms of our mindset and maybe even actions? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, good, a good question. Um, there are limits everywhere. Today you have people worried about loans or worried about house prices or worried about anything. And the, the, the other people see 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 a downfall or or hurt, and, and I see opportunity. Mm-hmm. Going going directly to the limits. When I was a, a child, I was in a car wreck and lost the ability to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, I stuttered terribly from age five to you know through high school, then less so. And one day I became uh, became grateful. I was in church service, and I was like, hey, you know, be grateful for the things you have to struggle with, and I thank God for it. And that was a very hard thing to say, a very hard thing to say. But embracing that that limit and being grateful for it changed my life for me. So depending on what the limit is, maybe having gratitude for that limit and see if that doesn't change your perspective and your outlook on things. And then if you have other limits, if it's resources or capital or intellect, uh, the more you get to clarity in your life, the more you can turn, you, you can find people to help you with those limits and overcome and, and, and conquer very many obstacles. But 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 limits to me are, uh, and everyone will have them. So if you open a company from one to five people, then you have an, uh, that's your limit, right? You got to increase your managerial skill. Then you go to ten or fifteen or twenty. So we're all going to hit limits all the time. And the quicker you identify them, the quicker you accept them, and the quicker you think about logical ways to overcome them, either through yourself or through partnership or affiliation or education, uh, you, you'll, you'll climb through those. You begin to actually anticipate and look forward to the next limit because all that means is it's just another victory that you're about to overcome. What do you, 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 you throw in here, apply the laws of focus and attraction mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a way to kind of help us move past these obstacles. What do you mean by apply the laws of focus and attention? What are those and why is that so powerful? Yeah, I'll give you an example. So focus, when I'm focused on something, then your mind is thinking about it. And I'll give you two examples. If I'm looking for toothpaste, right, and I think it's a green toothpaste and it happens to be a blue toothpaste, I can open the drawer, look for the green toothpaste, I don't find it. The blue's right there looking at me. 
but I'm focused on green and I won't even see blue. So, so that's interesting uh, uh, in life. And when I focus on success or focus on attaining something, then I don't get distracted by the other th- other things. I'm looking for my goal all the time. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, the laws of attraction, you tend to attract people uh, into your life, resources, things, timing that align with your goals, with your goals and objectives. I'll give you a simple example. If you say if you didn't own a Tesla, you may see one Tesla on the road a day, two or three. Then you buy a, a, a red three series Tesla and you see, wow, they're everywhere. Teslas are everywhere. Well, Teslas did multiply 100x the next day. You j- your mind became attuned to noticing that. It's the same thing if you're trying to, to be in a relationship or trying to learn or find interesting people or encouragement or, or resources. Anything you're looking for when your mind is focused on it, you'll find it 100 times faster than if you're not. Mm. You, you know, I love that example of Tesla. I, I found this to be true when I bought my Jeep, Rubicon. You know, there's this there's this habit that Jeep people have. If you have a Jeep, that they wave at each other, right? And um, I started re- <laughs> because I become so focused on the waving part of it. I feel like my hand is up all the time, right? It's just right, like, right, right, because I'm waving at all these. I'm like, oh my gosh, Other Jeep, the, the Jeep lifestyle. It's actually a thing I understand. It, I don't own a Jeep. But yeah, it is. It's this really crazy. My friends have the Jeep, and they're like. He's into his Jeep, you know. So yeah, it's this crazy thing, and everybody's yeah. got a Jeep. I, I you, now you tell me you don't. I don't believe you. I think you probably do. You just have to tell me because I think everybody does. Because I'm so focused on seeing Jeeps, right? right and like, oh, right, does right. everybody have one in their household? They must, because I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm my my hands worn out from being on my steering wheel. You know, right. hey, right. hey, hey, you know. So I totally understand, and it's really true, exactly. and it really can apply to our finances. I mean, chapter six. There's something that you say here. I want to just hit on, and it is. It's called bridging the gaps. And you say, people who hate their job mm. are wasting their lives. And and I just want to make a point because I, I have a friend who, when Sunday night rolls around, he goes into dread for Monday morning. Goes into dread. Just total dread. I mean, he's successful. He's making it... But he just dreads Monday. That's a problem, isn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a terrible problem. <laughs> yeah, I'd be planning my exit like you know by Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Life is so short, man. You right. so many people. You have a health issue, and you're like, oh, miss, this is way too short for that. Yeah. Yeah. You you say that there's four gaps. Uh, there's vocation, education time and attitude right and you know vocation gap we've kind of talked about a little bit but if we were to go into that vocation gap you know you talk about following passions and fulfillment getting being fulfilled do you want to push that button a little bit more yeah i'll give an example there there was there was somebody i knew in the vocation gap they were uh they were a um assistant at a real estate company and they've been around realtors and people doing very well business. And they had a particular ap- aptitude for selling, but they didn't really have, they thought maybe they couldn't pull it off. And this particular person then went to real estate school and then they sort of listened to selling tapes and then was given excellent service as an assistant. So hey, I'm going to give it a whirl as, as a realtor. And they did, and they 5X their income like, like over the next year. 
and 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 that's the kind of thing where where we put limitations on ourselves, mm-hmm. and sometimes we will have abilities we're not even using. I've heard of people who are very talented in the field, but they're they're applying their their wit and their knowledge and time in, in a completely another area. And if you find something that you believe you're good at, and then you invest you know hours upon hours of getting better at it, you, you'll become you'll become really like world class. And you know this we call it ten thousand hours or two thousand hours. But if you if you spend time uh, honing something you're good at, you'll get so much better. And it's kind of like the vocation gap. I mean, if you're a if you're a good if you're a good uh, salesperson, you become a good manager, you become a good owner, and just just wherever you want to go in a structure or organization, uh, by by executing and leaning in, you'll 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 go you'll go very very far. You you know I I told people you know we started this show five years ago. And I, I do not have a communications degree. I've, ne- I've never taken a broadcasting degree. I, I don't, I've never taken a broadcasting class. I don't even know what one is. Mm-hmm. And, but I love what I do. I love doing. Right. I love doing this show. And so I started. I just as an example, I started studying Larry King. You know, because I just feel like Larry King was a great interviewer. And so I started studying Larry King, and I kept putting in the time. And I started guest hosting other shows, and I started, you know, asking questions to. Authors, this is how it started way before five years. So I was on somebody else's show and I was doing it and somebody pushed me into this and said, you got to do it because you're good at it. And over the course of time, I keep learning and keep learning because I've never stopped. I, I'm, right. always, I'm always trying to find, how can I ask a better question? You know, how, what, what, can I, what can I ask that's going to appeal to the audience, right? And I, and I keep telling people, even when I speak, I keep saying to them, you know what? You have things inside you you don't even know. Because you're afraid to look at those passions, right? Right, and then it's that education gap. Then you you it's on you again, right? To take take control of your education, right? Right, right. Make yourself better. You say better yourself, not just your paycheck. Oh, a hundred percent. Invest in yourself. I'm taking I'm taking courses right now, you know, uh, at, at Harvard, and I'm doing it. You know, it's not going to probably change my income. But it's something that I wanted to do, and it changes my ability to teach or, or have additional perspectives maybe I didn't have before. So I really enjoy it, and I encourage people. There's so many free free sources online. There's so many things you can do. So how do you ad- advance yourself intellectually, or just become you know, the most interesting person in the room? You know, re- read a book a week, or li- audio books are fantastic for drive time, and learn different things. You know, focus on one area, but then learn about art, learn about history, learn about uh, Paul, just whatever you, whatever is your fancy, and then maybe go outside of that a little bit. You'll be surprised how much maybe topics that you didn't think you might enjoy, you now really enjoy. And I, I was talking to a person, I was talking to a Navy SEAL uh, on, on my show, and it was become a friend. And he was talking about some of their training, and I thought this is so interesting. And some of the things they do, and everything, every everything you can think of in the world has way more complexity and way more to it than you can imagine. And when you begin to study other people's fields and what they've done, it gives you just more appreciation for other people and it allows you to live a life of maybe a little bit more gratitude. Yeah, it really does. And live a better life. You know, oh, yeah. Right? Because it's not in this, like you said, you know, you know, I feel like I'm living my best life because I'm doing the things that I'm, I'm, I love doing. I'm good at them. And that, that actually are helping others, right? I right. feel like I have a bigger right. purpose here. And, sure. and so, you know, I feel like we're, we're impacting a world. I mean, you and I today, what we're doing is, you know, we're, we're available to over 250 million people right now, right? Right. Can watch the show. 
And you and I right now are making a positive impact on the world. That's what I believe. And that's what I believe my purpose is, is that we're going to change a new direction. We're going to give people. And I think when you have that and you're so passionate about it, that it changes you. And, and you, do, you, want, you don't want anything else but right. to, so, to do that. Yeah. And, and, and to inspire other people to see the world as a bigger place. And yeah. I, I had a person that I mentioned in the, in the book who was, you know, making $25,000 a year. And when I first met them and I didn't take them as a coaching client, I just gave advice periodically. I said, do you want me to be honest? And yeah, I want you to be honest. So I gave, gave him different advice, things to look at and then to look and have perspective and use a skill set. And he's making like 200,000 now, some 10 years later, but he went from 25 to a hundred thousand, probably yeah. 24 months. And it wasn't starting a business. It was, you know, finding new positions and getting promoted within his own company because he he was able to so change his value. Mm-hmm. And I think whether you're an employee or self-employed, everyone's self-employed. And you want to create an environment where you're such a good employee that they want to keep you and they pay you more without you even ever having to ask because the thought of losing you is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you make your value higher to other people? What's the time gap? That's the third one. Yeah, the time gap is just it's it's we oftentimes think it'll take too much time to get something done. You know, I, I could never do this and it may take me six months or a year or three years. And and and, and once you get started, it's like the law of compounding we talked about. If I can make one percent change a day over ten days, it's ten percent change. Over uh, seventy-two days, it's not seventy-two percent change, it's a hundred percent because I'm making an incremental change on another incremental change, so there's a law of compounding that takes over. And mathematically, anything you divide by 70 into 72, like 10% a year, if you make 10% change a year, in 7.2 years, you've doubled the investment or the, or the change. But I try to accelerate that to 1% change a day. So then in, in 72 days, I'm at 100% change, 144 days, I've doubled the double. So I'm, I'm already at, I'm, I'm double that. And then another 72 days, you double the double the double. And I think that's the time perspective is we typically overestimate greatly overestimate what we can accomplish in a week or two weeks or a month. And and then we wonderfully underestimate what we can accomplish over time with, with just consistency. What's the attitude gap? Attitude, I mean, attitude's really everything. And if I had to focus on any of those, I'd probably focus on attitude because attitude controls your altitude. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a cheerful a- a- attitude, you have I can get it done out attitude, then you're going to go very far. The attitude gap is how do you go from a, negative attitude from where you are to a grateful to a grateful positive attitude and i've told my children a few lessons one is there's two types of people those who are humble and those who are, are soon to be humble <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right because we're always you know having a chance to be be humble really in life and it's a beautiful thing and and your, your attitude is you don't take yourself too terribly seriously but you, <clears throat> you push ahead you're willing to make mistakes but you're heading toward your whatever your true north is I think it, go, it, goes, it goes a long way and improves your attitude, gives you gratitude, which also gives you altitude. It's interesting at the end of this chapter, you talk about overcoming resentment. And I don't Oof. think people want to look at resentment and how it no. plays in our role in success or lack or lack of success. But it does. It's significant. Because there's no way if we're harboring resentment either towards a person or towards a situation or towards our past or towards anything else that we can be the people that we are created to be. It's not possible, right? right? It's not. And you have a, you go ahead. 
it consumes your energy, consumes your life. So if you're and unforgiveness is right there with resentment, they're, they're kind of sister emotions, really. So if you think about someone who you, you have a grudge toward or you're resentful for how you were treated or how, how this happened or a business deal gone bad or a friend wasn't very kind to you, that energy you have kills creativity. It's very hard to be creative mm. and at the same time be uh, unforgiving or resentful because those emotions overtake uh, the, cre- the cre- creativity. And imagine if you've had a long day, your work, you're tired, and you've put in, you know, 15 hours, 18 hours, whatever it is, right? Not much sleep. How creative are you at that time? Mm. You're, you're, you're just not. And it's the same thing with resentment and unforgiveness as those emotions are very toxic to your system. They hurt you and they hold you back. And the prisoner you set free when you forgive somebody is yourself because you're not changing them, but you're changing yourself. The only person you ever have the ability to change is yourself. And there's a parable, if I can change, when a young man said, I want to change the world, right? Then he got a little a little older, I'll change my country, then I'll change my state, I'll change my county, I'll just try and change my family. And then he said, I'll just change myself. And then later he goes, by changing myself, I change my family, then I change my county, then I change my state. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back, back the way, but you start with yourself and you, you'll have a lot of impact. Trying to start with others is is, is a lot. And that also goes back to your expectations and your reality. Your expectations are that person will, uh, you know, will have something bad happen to them, or they owe me, or whatever. And and then when when your reality is I I I've released that person, then your expectations, your reality are equal, and you're free to be happy and move ahead. I, I love your little five step process. I just want to run through it real quick here. Um, step one: look for blessings. Step two: learn from the pain. Step three help other people. Step four, look for the lesson. And step five, forgive. And I think, you know, if anybody's out there and you're dealing with resentment, whatever that resentment is, do those five steps. I'm just, and the last one is the big one. Forgive, because sometimes you got to forgive others, but sometimes you need to forgive yourself, right? That's true. You, you do. And sometimes, and people may be hearing this and say, you just don't know what I face. You don't know. And that's so true. And it may be the most horrible thing you ever experienced. But forgiving and releasing somebody doesn't, you know, doesn't change. It changes you and it changes your reality and your outcome. Yeah. So I think that's the big, the big thing. My wife has this saying, says, you know, unforgiveness is, and resentment is like drinking the poison and hoping someone else will die. Yeah, that's a good example. That's right. Right. That's it. It's <laughs> right? really good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, it's kind of like, yeah. and she says that, and she says that all the time. And and when I, the more I keep thinking about that, the more I go, oh, yeah, you know, that's true. You know, I keep, I'm harboring all this unforgiveness and resentment. I'm drinking the poison. I'm hoping the other person dies. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, interesting. Me. So the, the the famous artist Van Gogh got so mad at someone he cut his own ear off. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. And he's a famous guy, a little, 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 little squirrely, they say. But it, this, it's not too different. It's just an outward manifestation of an inner reality. Yeah, it really is. His name is Eric Weir. The book is entitled "Who's Eating Your Pie." And uh, by the way, it's essential financial advice that will transform your life. Listen, it's outstanding. You need to get your copy. Uh, wherever books are sold, Amazon, it doesn't matter. Find it in a version that works for you. Um, it's awesome. Um, as you could tell, you're listening to him here on a new direction. 
Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, I, I know I talk about them so frequently, you're probably tired of me, but I don't get tired of them because their facility offers the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment like the anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, my favorite. Uh, they're trained, certified, most comprehensive uh, cutting-edge treatments available, things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, and that's just a few. Yeah. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, don't go any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years helping people transition in life by helping them, whether they're selling or buying, move into that next transition. Listen, folks, you know what? Buying and selling real estate is not as easy as everybody wants to think. Everybody thinks that it's so easy. You need someone who's going to look out for your best interest. And you want someone who's got the experience and who their clients say are the legends of customer service. That's Linda Craft Team Realtors. So listen, no matter where you live in the world, they're independently owned and operated, unaffiliated with any national company. So if you want an unbiased opinion of finding somebody in your area that can help you, right, go to Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on a new direction uh, with my friend Eric Weir, uh, who I enjoy uh, being with you, man. I, it, it's just, it's it's, it's just a treat. I I always have a lot of fun with you, and you're so insightful, and I just enjoy uh, the time I get. So thank you for coming back again. And, and oh, it's my pleasure. It, it, so it's great to be, be on with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's just it's just a joy. Um, I know there's a, the, the more I want to talk about in the book, but I think we need to spend this last segment kind of talking about a few things that are going on in the world. And maybe we'll get back to chapter 12, the four choices for success. Um, but you know what? We just had recently the collapse of the uh, Silicon Valley Bank. And and then, of course, here I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. And First Citizens here in Raleigh, North Carolina is going to buy up at least a portion of SVB Bank. What should people know about the SVB bank collapse and the effects and the ripple effects to that of that yeah i, I think the system works if you have if you're with a bank you, you have you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars in coverage with fdic if you have more than that you may want to buy treasuries or treasury money markets but what happened is is, is really what's fascinating to me is with the ppp money um all the all the money given by the government to to help arrest the economic decline caused by COVID, where you went from 20 you had 24 percent unemployment like overnight Money went into the system trying to, to arrest things. But what happens is banks receive, let's just use a million dollars as an example. If they, they, they're they allowed to, to lend or invest 90% of that, 10% they keep on hand. So the 90% they invest, they, they typically like to do loans, car loans, home loans, boat loans, whatever. And they underwrite the people and they know the people and that's a good way to do business. But if, if deposits come in really, really fast, they're unable to do that. So they have to buy bonds. And what they did is they bought U.S. Treasury bonds, and yield managers have to have what's called a yield spread, you know, two three percent, so they make money, pay their bills, and all. But just by, they, they're in the business of getting money and trying to reinvest it. Well, they put lots of money in bonds, and when interest rates go up, bonds and interest rates have an inverse relationship. So as rates went up, the value of the bonds went down. So a four percent increase in the Treasury on a ten-year Treasury made its value go down by over twenty percent. And and when that happened. When the when 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 depositors said, "Hey, what's going on?" When when it was a Silicon Valley bank, so you have a very high-end bank, a lot of tech people, a lot of money went into that area, and they weren't borrowing money because they had money, 
right? And then later, the people are laid off. The company starts spending money, bringing it down. They, they call it due. And then when they sold bonds to make uh, to to meet the demand for the redemption of cash, they took a loss. And when they took a loss, they called their shareholders and say, "Hey, put more money in." And their shareholders had to be venture capitalists, and maybe they even helped in, in, the, in the past. Instead of them saying, "Yeah, here's two billion dollars for your losses. We're with you," they said they they hold the phone. I want my money back too, right? Mm. And then one of went on Instagram, Peter Thiel, and put the word out to to other venture companies, and substantially all their deposits wanted their money back in a span of less than two weeks, most of which was the last two days. And when that happened, it's just it's insolvent. So they had to sell bonds at 20% losses, but billions of dollars of losses. And those bonds were, were bought in a portfolio called buy to, buy to own or buy to hold. And the idea is they don't report it, uh, the daily valuation changes because the ideas will keep it two years, five years, 10 years. And only in this case, when they want the deposits back, they couldn't sell a loan fast enough. They had to sell the bonds and that took a loss and that made them insolvent. And that's, that's what caused them to fail. And, and what is the ripple effect for the, you know, the everyday listener are, you know, the people who listen to the show or watch the show, what's the ripple effect to them as a result of this? Well, I think the ripple effect uh, them is, is credit standards. I think bankers are going to be more cautious about making loans in the future. Mm-hmm. If you have a line of credit, you may want to be thoughtful about using it or what you want to do with it because or extending it because in previous credit sites, taking the risk and lines of credit are unknown. So it, it could be, it could be more. <clears throat> if they don't have liquidity, it's hard to fund another line of credit. So they may get, they may, may make credit uh, standards tougher. And imagine that sometimes they use different underwriting ratios. So to, to, for investment property or different income or credit scores for residential property. So typically when there's concern in the street, bankers often get more concerned. And uh, Mark Twain has something funny to say. He said, a banker is somebody who offers you an umbrella when it's sunny outside and when it starts to rain, they probably want it back. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of how it is with a line of credit. If you have a business with a line of credit, uh, be thoughtful and aware that it could go away. If that bank is facing financial concern, they may re-underwrite you in a different risk category and reduce your available credit. And they don't tell you in advance that just happens. So that's something to be cognizant of that could happen. It has happened before. I'm not saying it will, and I'm not saying to, to be concerned because the financial system is is solid currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but if everyone wanted their money back the same day, it, we're in what's called a fractional banking system. It's just not set up to handle that. So what I'm hearing from you is to people who are listening to the show that may be somewhat or concerned about this, the, some of the steps you may be wanted taking is reduce, you know, get out of debt if you have debt. Um, I'm hearing, you know, that. You you probably want to make sure that um, you're you know that you're you're taking care of what you need to take care of financially, and making sure that you're working on your credit scores, um, getting them higher. Are those some of the things that we're suggesting? Yeah, you? I think I think that's true. I think there's I think there's a preparedness to be if you have a lot of cash, you're worried by treasuries are unlimitedly safe. But I also think if you have if you have liquidity or you have treasuries. I think there'll be opportunities. You saw where Silicon Valley Bank sold $72 billion of their loans to for citizens, yep. your local bank, for $16.5 billion, which is a 78.5% discount. First citizen stock went up 50% that day because it's such a shrewd move for them. Right. So when there's when there is risk, there's opportunity. When there's fear, there's opportunity. And I think that they, they, that's a that's a that's a pretty much a maxim in finance. And 
when you're involved in the illiquid market, meaning there's not a ready necessarily available buyers and sellers, then there are opportunities when somebody needs to sell. For example, you, you love your Jeep, right? Yeah. And maybe you can sell your Jeep to another Jeep lover really quickly. But if you said, oh, it's it's four o'clock today, I need to sell my Jeep by 7 p.m. And my market is, I'm holding the sign up in front of my building and it says best offer takes takes this Jeep by 7 p.m. You may have paid $40,000 for it. And the kid goes by on the skateboard and says, I'll give you $5. You know, there's somebody else in the bicycle, I'll give you 15. And somebody says, I'll give you 5,000. And if you've got to take the highest bidder that day, you're not getting what you have on the Jeep. And that's the kind of things that happen in, in illiquid financial markets when there's fear and concern and where one party needs liquidity rapidly, the party who has liquidity can often negotiate an amazing deal that just is not always around. So recognize there'll be opportunities and I think maybe a fantastic opportunities for those who are prepared. Mm. The, the, you and I are big fans of real estate. We're, yes. we're really both big fans of real estate, investing in real estate. And, you know, what's going on with, I mean, maybe we should talk a little bit about why it's such a, you know, why we like it, but you know, also the issues of cap rates, because I think there's a lot of confusion uh, for the general public. And what is a cap rate and how does it work? And and at the same time, why real estate is, you know, something that we really like. So cap rate is basically a rate of return that an investor would want to have on a property, uh, real estate in this example, should you pay cash? And I'll give you an example. If I, if I can get $10,000 of income, and I think that I can buy a, a real estate asset, and I want to make I want to make five uh, percent a year. Then I would pay two hundred thousand dollars for that five for that ten thousand of income because that's five percent of two hundred thousand. But if my if cap rates change and they go up because of risk or inability to get loans, that cap rate goes from five to ten, which is a, a big change. You're not there now, but right. say one to ten. Then that same ten thousand dollars divided by point one that investor will only pay $100,000 for that same asset that they would have paid $200,000 for if their desired rate of return was 5%, now it's 10. So the whole point is, is, is a very small change in cap rates can make a, a change of greater than 10% to the value of a real estate and nothing happened. I mean, the, 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 the roof didn't leak, the neighborhood is, is still the same neighborhood it was, the businesses are still, still leased, but the world changed. And that happened very quickly when you saw oil go to minus 40 a barrel in Texas. Buildings were selling at a 10 or 12 cap. Overnight, they were at a five cap, uh, just like a month earlier, because they thought that oil's going, there's no more oil. There'll be no ability to pay this rent, so it's fictitious. And they bought property cheaply. And then it came right back over a year, they're back to where they were. So that person who bought during the fear made tremendous returns uh, on their equity uh, over a very short period of time. And, and things are very dynamic in real estate where they can change very quickly. And I say oftentimes it's often not to stress properties, it's to stress owners. Mm. But we still like it. Yeah. Well, it has <laughs> it has benefits right. there. For a rental house, for example, you can depreciate it over 30 years or so. Um, take not the land, but the value of the improvement. So that helps you with your taxes. You have a tenant and then they can pay your rent for you, which actually pays the interest, which you then in turn can deduct the interest as an expense. Depreciation is expense any management fees, upkeep as an expense, and then they're paying the payment and paying down the loan for you. So you start with a, a loan of, of, of one size, a little bit of equity, and over time, they're paying the loan down for you, and hopefully you have an appreciation over time. 
So your equity or your return on your equity is going going much higher. And you know, and that's it's not uncommon to have a, a return on equity in the teens with real estate. Um, you know, to just because of, of those factors. And oftentimes it's substantially or entirely shielded from taxation due to deducting on uh, on interest and depreciation. And then it has something else called a 1031 exchange if you're able to do so that upon sale, you can yet again not pay taxes because you buy another piece of property. So real estate is one of the few assets that was really given certain tax advantages uh, relative to other investments that make it very attractive. Okay, let's. We're, we're we're getting close to the end of the show. I promised you that we would get you to talk about your. You've got a brand new program. It's called the 30K Power Up. Uh, that that is exclusively for South Carolina. Sure. And um, so, so the last few minutes of the show, I want to let you go ahead and promote uh, for those f- folks listening in South Carolina. I have a big contingent that watch and listen in South Carolina. Sure. So, folks, sure. um, go ahead. What is the 30K Power Up? You know, the, the 30K power up, I came up with my mind during COVID where people I saw depression, separation, anxiety, concern. And I'm like, the people I saw doing well were those who were getting out of their house and starting their own hustle or their own business. And some businesses have grown rapidly in the last few years, right? So I thought, well, what can I do to encourage entrepreneurism? Most of the jobs created in America are for small businesses. And, you know, almost it's like over half the jobs created and over half the jobs in America are with small business, many of which are sole proprietors. So I said, what can I do to, to, to encourage and foster that? So I thought three things, I could give away cash uh, prizes. So first place entrepreneur and my in the 30K power up uh, gets $15,000, right? If, and they submit a, a video, a business plan. If they win, they get 15,000. Second place is 10, third place is five. And the winners also have access to some coaching I give for myself uh, for a period of time. And also in my office building, I give the, I give the winner free rent for a period of time as well. And you, you can learn more about it. You see my name on the screen, Eric Weir, E-R-I-K-W-E-I-R, but just add a .com to it. And it has information on how to apply and how to participate in the 30K Power Up. And along the way, we give feedback and coaching for free. So, hey, I liked your business plan. You're not a finalist, but why don't you try these two things or, you know, work on that. And if you're a finalist, then... We'll give you time and energy and, and maybe even capital. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. That is our first, it's our one of one. So we'll, we'll see where we go with it. But we do want to encourage entrepreneurism, people to, to to reinvent themselves and to go for it. And if you're a company that hasn't received more than 500000 in funding, you qualify. That's awesome. Well, we did it. We did an hour. I mean, and then the on main, the nose. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty. It's, 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 it's always fun. Uh, being with you, man. I really do appreciate you do, uh, coming on the show again. And, you know, this book, uh, Who's Eating Your Pie, is outstanding. I can't encourage enough for folks. It's more than just a finance book. Uh, it is a success book. It's a life success book. I'm just telling you, it's fantastic. You heard him on the show, but he, I'm just telling you, get it. Uh, you, you really are going to do yourself and your family a tremendous uh, favor and benefit by purchasing the book. So please, uh, again, it's called Who's Eating Your Pie? Essential financial advice that will transform your life, and I promise you it will. Hey, folks, that's the show. You know what I say to you every week, right? You're in control of three things at all times. That is your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. I know that you can be going through tough circumstances, but the truth of the matter is, you know what? You can always control your attitude. You can always control how excellent you want to be, and that's your effort. And you can always get back up again if you want to get back up again. Nothing is stopping you, but you, you're in control of that. So take control of those things right now.
I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you all over, listen, you had a lot of choices. You chose us. I thank you for choosing a new direction. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let people know. And as I say to you everywhere, all over the world, and you know what that is? Ciao, everybody. Things are going to change. You can find the strength to go a different way, yeah. The time has come. Your dreams will take you places you have never